Welcome back, everyone. This is the 60-second episode of AIR, an interview podcast series with a different theme each episode. This is also the last episode of 2023, and I'm so grateful for what's been an incredible year of episodes. I've met and spoken with some fantastic musicians, including two jazz artists, which was new for the series, and a bunch of my favorite ever DJs. So I'm happy to say that AIR's audience and play count has gone up since last year, but on top of that, I feel more and more like I'm making something of value. Thank you all for your ongoing support, and I can't wait to show you what I've got in store for next year. Just before we get started, a quick reminder that you can follow us on Instagram at at underscore airpodcast, or support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash airpodcast. On to this month's episode, which welcomes Russian producer, composer, live performer, and sound artist Dasha Rush. Dasha began experimenting with bits and pieces of hardware and software many years back, crafting, among other things, her conceptual, multidisciplinary album, Sleep Step, a critically acclaimed reflection on the space between sleep and wakefulness. She then started pushing the boundaries of music and art, exploring the visual realm through AV projects, performance, and art installations, including the use of spatial sound, generative imagery, light, and even dance performance. The constant seeker, Dasha's fascination about everything from science to black holes to the human brain have opened up her productions beyond the realm of everyday techno. In this conversation, we explore her every intricate curiosity and how they intertwine with her music, her art, and her life. Dasha, thank you so much for joining me. I'm really excited to be speaking. Hello. Yes. <laughs> thank you for inviting me. So I know that a lot of your AV shows and your performances are based around science. And I was reading one of your interviews earlier today that your interest in that topic is simply because it's something that makes you feel alive, that makes you think, and that makes you curious. So I would love to know a bit more about what is making you curious these days. 
Uh, well, I mean, in generally, yes, of course, science make me curious because, you know, it's like an attempt to give an answer how everything works. <laughs> I mean, nowadays, um, actually this year, I'm slightly, um, I wouldn't say less curious, but somehow, <laughs> somehow um, a little bit more focused on human side, emotional side, mm. how we, you know, like, interact proceed to the world with simply feelings i would say you know the last album is more of a contemplating mm -hmm. contemplative part <laughs> where you just sort of become one and process it quietly without actually reaction i mean if i'm talking about emotion emotions not um like reacting extremely emotionally but the opposite just become a feeling or something like this that's what i meant the science saga is quiet at the moment i mean not really because i'm preparing a new show for the next year that has a scientific aspect but i'm a bit, bit, bit a bit more mellow in my uh, pursuit of answers <laughs> how, the, how everything works this year i would say in terms of like this being more interested in sort of emotions and feelings, um, how are you kind of going about, I don't know, exploring that interest? Are you, I don't know, doing research about it or kind of just contemplating with yourself more? I guess things that I read or watch, uh, you know, films are more related to kind of more human processes rather than external processes that give you like a bigger space or more internalized i mean it's not really a research it's just <laughs> like um, i mean a state a phase and i guess music or you know the creative process reflect that stay is that phase mm. and, and you know the, the same with the album is more introvert with ambient music of course there is uh, always an emotional uh, aspect of it, I suppose. So do you think that, um, you know, you've already done the album Contemplating, which came out this year, but do you think that this sort of interest in emotions and feelings and thinking is something that you'll eventually turn into a performance or a presentation or, or something like that? Yeah, on the live shows, I mean, I'm doing this concert in December, three hours live set. It's an ambient mm. set for mm -hmm. Berkeley's birthday. But wow. the ambient floor will be like in Halle, not in the main dance floor, but I don't know if you ever... Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, in Halle. So, I mean, same huge space, but I'll try to turn the space into intimate bubble <laughs> somehow, which is, I mean, physically not uh, an easy task, but somehow... Um, yeah, uh, I, oh, I mean, of course, while, you know, while any performance, musical performance, I mean, more referring now to the live acts, of course, where it's more personal and less, uh, in, like, I would say, less less entertainment, more, mm -hmm. more an artistic vision. Um, of course, there is an emotion always, and it's always personal, and it's always... Um, more risk and fragility and somehow it depends how you want to open up or bring people to a certain state of mind or just tell short stories every person or every person in the audience would fall into their own thinking feeling process so of course using emotions is it's it's always there like i can't say it's uh it's i think it's in um major part of actual musical language. Earlier you mentioned that you've kind of switched from being curious about science and more external things to this more emotional side. So what do you think brought that on for you? 
maybe the pandemic, <laughs> pandemic, I guess. I mean, it's not that I lost interest in the in the scientific side. It's just uh, I think the pandemic played uh, a big role into this um, introvert mood. Introvert in the sense that it's not like you only go into yourself, but uh, you know, like since the pandemic, basically, I try to escape sometimes from like my main base is in Berlin, but now I moved partially to Spain, where I spend a lot of time on my own on hmm. on sea, um, just you know, the, in the calm, really calm environment, um, reflective environment, and I guess that's also big influence on the album as well. Uh-huh. Um, and on the process in general, how I at the moment relate to things. So like seeking knowledge and answers and, you know, like being, I don't know, curious about everything and how the universe works. Uh-huh. <laughs> I mean, I can't say what exactly brought, but I think pandemic played a role in it for sure. Uh-huh. Uh, where you, you know, just we all were confined with ourselves and um there was less interaction i think it's just naturally i felt like okay i'll i i am interested or it's not that even it was a conscious process i think i was it was like a more natural process where you just try to explore the the inner perspective on that you know just state of being where there's nothing no triggers or those triggers that you cannot change you have no impact on it or some somehow yeah something like that i guess so I can't say, um, like, I can't define, you know, to answer your question, I can't define precisely what changed exactly, what, why, what what was the reason. But I think pandemic was the, you know, if I think about pandemic was the one element that could push me to explore that direction rather than a, a crazy, <laughs> crazy trip to a black hole or something. Um, and so when you were thinking more about those external ideas before the pandemic, I guess, how do you know when a curiosity is ready to be turned into an idea for a project? For example, um, I'm sure there's like lots of topics that come up and that you like and that you are interested in or that you research into, but they're mm-hmm. not immediately going to be turned into an art project. I don't know, mm-hmm. because there's no sort of, you don't really have the next thing that goes along with it. So how does that process work going from like curiosity to realizing that as a project? Well, I mean, I think the most of the project is a, actually a long-term process. If we would com- compare to like, um, I don't know, cooking process that you just collect ingredients first, mm-hmm. you know, and then learn something about the ingredients. And then once you throw them in a pot or something like this, I think that would be the beginning. But I think there's a lot of elements. So for me personally, how it works, you know, I could think about the project uh, for, I don't know, five years or 10 years or mm-hmm. I don't know. It, there is no specific time and then there is no really like um mm, let's say a precise moment where i say okay now it's becoming a project mm. it's i think it's uh, a slow process well for me um uh, the only thing i could say it would be a trigger where i would you know ensemble some sketches or something i want to do and then um like a technical aspect would come in, like say, okay, how can I realize that if if we're talking about AV or something else or like a project with a Bhutto dancer or something, then once you connect to like a external media, which is like a technical aspect or even a logistic aspect, like for example, well, I would give a concrete example, maybe it's, it would be better. So there is this project that I'm kind of 
working on it for a while. It's called Hypothetically, Hypothetically Personal. Uh, it's an audiovisual project. And basically, I was just doing little things, doing little things. And then my agent would say, so how's it going? You know, how's it going? <laughs> and I was like, yeah, yeah, it's going, it's going slow. And then, you know, there was a specific interest from a curator from Spain because we talked about it briefly, but then he said, okay, so when is going to be ready? Because yeah. I, I want to present. And I'm like, I don't know when it's going to be ready. So they basically gave me a deadline. Yeah, and that's where probably, you know, like trigger from outside would say, okay, now I really have to concrete, uh, like right. um, concretize the, the whole idea, the mm -hmm. technical process, the, you know, everything what I need. So it's kind of a, uh, a booster somehow. So that's, I think a lot of that works for me that way. And <laughs> mm -hmm. um, what about for an album? Because I know you're quite conceptual with your albums as well. So is it also kind of the deadline looming that really pushes you to get moving on it uh for the album like for the previous album sleep step for example no it was just like i felt like okay that's done yeah. somehow yeah it was an opposite thing i was just writing and writing and then somehow it took form and as i was i don't know content with it and i said okay well then you know this is here it is it's ready and then i show it to carsten nikolai and you know, he's like yeah absolutely i want it and so on. for this album actually this album was already um finished by the end of pandemic okay because i think that's the, my pandemic album. <laughs> it took a while uh before you know like the label we talked with the label and he they were like okay so let's resume go wait a bit wait a bit i need to sit on it i need to sit on it mm -hmm. uh you know like uh, and i did change few things you know the year after so that's why it took actually longer because it was ready by 2021 Mm. Like, you know the release is 2023 so we, we took time I needed to sit on it so I think with the audio album um, it's it's more of a, my decision I would say when it's ready but still I guess you know like the label would say yeah yeah come on come on come on, come on. Mm. it's also still uh, I think in the external trigger where I would say, okay, now I let it go. It's, right. it's finished, you know, it's finished. But it's simpler with the audio because it's always personal. So I'm, I just say, okay, it's almost done. It's almost done. Oh, it's done. <laughs> Other project is, um, I think, uh, the external factors also play a little bit bigger roles. Like mm. I have a deadline and the premiere is set and it's already announced and tickets are on sale. So right, right. <laughs> you got I no choice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I think, yeah. Um, Sometimes mm. you need a little push from outside to yeah, think. Sure. The creative process is just a long preparation, long cooking process. And yeah. <laughs> somehow then the guests coming say, so it's just, your soup is ready. And then
can you walk me through the process um, for contemplating your latest album? Um, was there like a starting idea and then you sort of bring in, you know, the instruments and everything else that you wanted to go with it? Or mm-hmm. is it the opposite? You have the sounds in your mind and then the concept comes along later. No, I think I always like for the albums, I always have the concept uh, before. And I mean, contemplating is less conceptual than a sleep step, for example, because mm-hmm. sleep steps, I would follow really pre- like my precise idea of this little fairy tales that I would dedicate each fairy tale to someone and so on. Um, um, was contemplating because it's more related to feeling. It's not even if uh, feeling is a sentiment. Mm. Like uh, it's something between feeling and sentiment. Where you know, I told you that I spend a lot of time in this quiet place on the sea. Um, so the technically, I would. I had this idea where I um, want to transpose my sentiment and feeling into that you know, soundscapes, where it's super minimalist, you know, it's not the music that challenge you or like wake you up or something. It, the music that envelops you and it's just you go under your uh, blanket, which is, you know, a metaphorical blanket. <laughs> maybe uh, you <laughs> Real know, blankets literally, too. <laughs> yeah, literally. But blanket, I mean, you become one. Where I would sit on the sea or somewhere in a nature in complete peace and I would just hear some sort of a tone or some sort of a sound like, you know, from external source, but then the sound would become me, I would become a sound and I would become the sea or the sun or the sand or something like mm-hmm. this. So, I, I mean, I had this idea, but it's it's a transposition, trans, I don't know what's called, trans, like I would transpose <laughs> my um, um, sentiment and feeling to the soundscape. So that's the basic, let's say, of the contemplating uh, where you're just there to observe and be. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not easy to explain plain actually that <laughs> like to put it in words uh you know the precise process because it's a long long time run if i compare the two the one before and now it's like it's less conceptual so there is just of course there are like you know while you record you say okay um i wanted to sound like this i want to sound a little bit muddy a little dirtier and this something this would be a forest or this would be a sand or this uh, kind of would be a like you know like if you would paint something mm-hmm. it's the same it's just you paint with sounds i always say i paint with sounds like I <laughs> music i paint with sounds but i guess you also must have to be like kind of open-minded like you can't be so sort of um set in the concept or how you imagine it to sound mm-hmm. because then mm-hmm. you know sometimes it's sometimes it's not going to sound that way so you have to kind of let yeah. it do what it wants as well if that makes sense yeah, it does. I think in every creative process, you're supposed to have this um, territory where a happy accident can happen mm. or uh-huh. where, you know, the actual process, like, you know, something that I would like to achieve in terms of, let's say, um, you know, a sound like I want to have a specific drone. But then while I'm trying to do this drone, if something else beautiful happened, mm. then, you know, you also let, of course, the space to... Like, oh, that's interesting. And maybe you you go another direction. The concept helped me personally when I put the concept, what I want to express uh, is just in the starting point, of course. But then everything what happens during the process, you know, there are factors and mood and, I don't know, light change everything. So, yeah, of course, there is an open space. uh, But still, you you try to stick like, you know, if you want to draw a cube, uh, you still try to draw a cube or I don't know a rectangle, 
but then what kind of rectangle it will be or what kind of cube it's you'll know after the process right 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 so is that the same with the ideas for your art projects and AV performances or do you have to be a little bit more strict with I, those I, ideas the AV performances is a, a little bit more strict where mm. um also because you know it's more technical so there's something that um I mean the technology is great but it's also limits you somehow like you know something that you want to draw let's say an example of uh, a neuron goes like I'm referring to aurora cerebrali so Mm -hmm. if neuron do do a certain function visually you know how you would express this but then there is a limit to technology you know what i draw and then my visual uh companion would say but this is impossible for example (laughs) technically so but you have to still stick to the precision i think it's way more precise is my more focused but of course happy accidents might might happen too Uh um or bad accidents. <laughs> but, <laughs> but yes, you stick to the concept way more. And AV stuff is, uh, the story is more precise. So it's mm. uh, to a precision of each second of each scene. That, because mm-hmm. it tells a specific story. Then, like if I refer to Aurora Cerebralis or something, there is a, each minute is written what's supposed to happen. I mean, I guess it's like also um, for Dark Hearts of Space, for example, which is about black holes, it's like you kind of have to go, it can't be like unrecognizable. Mm-hmm. It has to look like a black hole to what most yeah. people would think a black hole looks like. Otherwise, you know. Yeah, you have to work with the narrative and also, you know, for like a larger audience, um uh, you have to have these narratives sometimes, uh, even, um, I mean, try not to fall into the cliche, but still the form of a black hole, for example, that is, you know, consists of a center and this and the belt and so on. Like it's a narrative that we have mm-hmm. to stick absolutely in because if we would do triangle one, it would be not. Yeah, exactly, so, exactly. But, yeah. <laughs> but the, the funny thing I had is, I think I mentioned already once, the funny um, anecdote happened to me uh, like during the premiere, after the premiere of a black hole on in Mutech um, because there were a few scientists uh, mm-hmm. in the audience. And um, so this professor comes to me and she says to me, it's amazing work and so on, like all the compliments. And then it looks exactly like a black hole. <laughs> I asked her, have you been there? <laughs> but laughing. <laughs> yeah, because, you know, like we have an image of a black hole approximate, even, you know, in a highly scientific and even the NASA, the first NASA, the first picture of a black hole that came up. Mm. But still, it's, it's still us. Uh, describing it so nobody actually yeah. been there so we don't know but does it also depend on finding the right collaborator who shares the same vision because it's it's like because it's a collaboration yeah. you don't want to be just be telling the person what to create like they also have to share the same vision of a black hole that you do so that it looks not exactly, not exactly. <laughs> a little bit more of a dictatorship <laughs> almost I mean, not in a sense like completely, but yeah, when uh, I'm looking for a collaborator, there is, uh, of course, uh, we talked before um, that we basically, um, the the, the visual artists would um, use, um, of course, technical knowledge and some sort of a um, partially signature of that particular artist but still have to follow um, this scenario. It's my definitely my idea. And so I invite people to work with, right. with me, okay. my idea. So it's not um, uh, like an open collaboration, I would say. 
I mean, of course, there are some elements like a proposition. Um, I don't know, like, how would you do this? And then, you know, the, like Michael Brady would say, oh, we can do this like that or like that. Mm. It's possible. Mm -hmm. You know, the, the input is possible, but still, it cannot you cannot change the scenario and you cannot change like the most crucial element, what I find crucial, you know, like it's not, I can't, you can't put it on monochromatic because you're a monochromatic artist, for example. <laughs> uh, no, it has to be that certain color, something like this, you know, like it's uh, still more written project. So, but I mean, I've done, I've done some free collaboration where we just play yeah. as well, you know, it's, but it's a different type of show when you were working with Stanislav uh to create the visuals I was reading that it took a really long time for you guys to understand each other's ideas even though you both speak Russian but it was sort of yeah. like this whole yeah. new language that you had to get used to can you talk a bit about that um yeah I mean the first project when we met I invite Stan to do the Antarctic tact mm -hmm. Uh, and I mean, he was doing his own stuff, uh, which were completely different. Actually, um, that particular project came like collaboration came more of a, like an accident. I was looking for specific aesthetic. Mm -hmm. Actually, Stanislav at the beginning didn't have that aesthetic. That I was looking. <laughs> Somehow a friend of mine tell me, oh, check Stanislav, but he's cool. And, you know, and I think it's also a personal way, like we got along well. Mm. Uh, it took a while. It took a while before we actually move even to the black holes. It took a while for Stan to understand the way I work, <laughs> what I want from him. You know, even like he was saying in the beginning, it's like, I don't understand what you're saying. <laughs> like, I mean, technically, I'm like, yeah, this has to be like this, like this, like that, or whatever. <laughs> With Stanislav, I think he have a great knowledge, great capacity to, you know, technical capacity to realize something that, um, like, artistically, I would have it in mind. And I think that that's why we went to the black holes where it was even more challenging technically. I mean, it took a while, but I think we could manage it, especially on the black holes. It was already easier because we went through the Antarctic tact. But then the moment that Stanislav also understood what I tried to do, he kind of, I don't know, took my idea of my aesthetic because still in the project is not his aesthetic visually. So right. with his knowledge, he would actually try to think the way I think mm -hmm. and that's helped a lot and of course I learned a lot from him on the technical side a lot of things so it's a, it's an exchange I think we learned from each other he he took something from me like uh, to approach of creative um, writing scenario for something but he even told me like I never actually wrote anything before I just did things <laughs> you know like just, and um uh, from his side, I would took you know some learn something interesting about technical aspects. So it's it's an exchange, yeah, it's an exchange, and I think it takes a while for any kind of exchange like that. I think it probably takes. Yeah, a while. I suppose. Yeah, yeah, quarters. But still, like in in that case, I'm very very ter like territorial. It has to be my way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah I, mean, I don't know if I should be you know ashamed of it or not, but that's the way. Like because it's more, like way more precise. It's like writing a, a book. You can't mm. just change everything based on you know. It has to have the the narratives and the content and uh, you know the story. So it's been several years now that you've been working on these kind of art projects with. Um, audiovisual and performances mm -hmm. um so what made mm -hmm. you want to explore something other than DJing and live sets like did it just feel like you weren't able to express everything you wanted to express without this sort of visual element 
well, I think the part of the DJing element, I mean, I still love it, but it's very re- reducive because most of the DJing um, is related to dance music. Mm-hmm. Where you just have a good time in a club or in a rave. Uh, you know, so artistically, it's very reducing, even if it can be great. <laughs> but mm-hmm. you can't do, you can't do musically something. You can't just torture people for three hours in the club with uh-huh. some, <laughs> some experimental drony landscapes. <laughs> I think that's one of the element. I just felt like the DJing musical space is isn't enough for me. Mm. parallel to DJing there was a phase even when I started there was collaborations I mean on a smaller scale of course and it's, it was more like in the squads or in an underground spaces especially in my um, phases when I was living in Paris for quite a long time we would collaborate with painters it would be like a performance of a free painting and crazy electronic music mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's not that I started all of a sudden mm. doing I did similar project just in a smaller scale collaborations with dancers or something or painters or you know like multidisciplinary stuff they were just not so uh, you know like known or something also like what I was saying earlier about the trigger since the atonal for example start Mm. you know that first project uh, let's say really ensembled really thoughtful project Antarctic Duck where you know like I, I think I expressed myself like in the beginning when it came out, I was inspired by a space itself, by Kraftwerk. Right. Sure. And even the initial idea of that project was way more complex technically. I wanted to freeze the whole Kraftwerk, the whole mm. beton would become ice, you know, but technically it was too expensive. <laughs> you know, the external um, trigger came like, okay, here's Kraftwerk, here's the proposal, um even though i thought about it before but then you know like that's i told you i mentioned how it works like there is a cooking process but then i need a space where i could for example explore this idea and try to finalize it so that was craft work i wonder if it's also like a uh maybe not a struggle but a challenge for you because um for example with djing it's like there's only so many ways that you can dj whereas with something like your aurora cerebralis Mm -hmm. there's like you know a million ways that you could represent the human brain you know what i mean there's so many choices so is it is it challenging for you to kind of have to make those choices of how you want to work visually with an idea yes of course but it's not only challenging um in terms of how would i would express it i mean that's the creative process of it but also challenging in terms of all the things to set up for it and find the budgets mm. and for the dj sets i actually like you know personally i don't have to prepare much of course i make my selections and stuff but it's a minimum of work and um uh but also it's limit what i said as much as i love it it's still limited to a certain specific type of you know musical freedom where it's a dance music it's not new for me but i still want to explore more and challenge myself also making um, music not only for the dance floor but for something <laughs> so of course it comes like still in my in my uh, in my personal story it still comes from a musical aspect but then the need to add the visual aspect to make idea more concrete more complete and also for the audience um, that are not specifically interested into uh, let's say drawn music to understand what is it about mm. the the visual elements are actually 
um, very important because it brings music to an to a next level or next level of understanding or curiosity. Because imagine if I would play a drone music or some sort of you know weird ambient, some people would not even perceive the, this way that it's about Antarctica. Mm -hmm. So the visual element helps and it's challenging, you know. Uh, in many many ways how do i bring the idea how do i construct the idea technical aspect even financial aspect so uh, it's a lot of work but it's also very interesting <laughs> well i yeah, and I guess also in terms of the imagery, what you were saying about the drone, sorry, that it has to be kind of, it can't be like so left field that people aren't interested. Yeah. I guess the images also can't be so sciencey or or intellectual that like non-science people would still find them interesting. Yeah, true. I mean, uh, I mean, you can go scientific, but still it's an artistic uh, representation. So yeah, we're exactly, not, we're exactly. not writing formulas or mathematical explanations. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Where, you, know, <laughs> you make um, an artistic version of, you know, something that you want to talk about that relate to science. And, you know, I'm not um, in a position to have a scientific lesson <laughs> as an artist to, um, uh, you know, bring interest to a subject or uh, talk about the subject, but still in, a, in an artistic interpretation, mm -hmm. of course. Three white steps on the roof From the mice the drop and the light To the pages of And a waste of what lies No less than tenderness Awaits for me at night Replacing that platitude so what else can you tell me about that piece? I know that you presented it in a 360 dome and that the visuals were generative. Mm -hmm. And so I wonder, was there something almost sort of dance-like about watching um, your music trigger these images, if you know what I mean. Mm -hmm. I mean, um, it depends, to be honest, it depends on the performance, uh, like because Aurora Cerebralis, so some, um, technically some planetarium, for example, are able to do um, a real-time visuals because it's very challenging and uh, it's really heavy, basically. The data is really heavy to have real-time. So in some planetariums, uh, actually, we did what you called a rendered pieces. So the scene would be rendered, but then I would play still alive basically adapting to a visual so there are two okay like kind of backwards yeah. of what yeah there, yeah. Okay, there are yeah. two versions so there are a live version where um, you know the movements the signals are generated um and the visuals let's say follow a sound but there's also another version where i have to play the sounds on certain pre-rendered um scenes because Sim simply like uh, planetarium, for example, in uh, Barcelona, the, the technical aspect doesn't allow you to do the full-time uh, generative real-time. We have to, you know, adapt to technical aspects. But, for example, the scene is written, but then what exactly happens, um, it, it, it follows the path, but then a little details like the movements or the color or the density or the intensity or the speed would, you know, would change probably real time or something like mm. that. But the actual content is still there already 
preparing. Do you like that kind of unpredictability that comes with playing those kinds of shows? Uh, in the visual aspect, not always. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not always. I mean, mm, yeah, I think it's something due to the perfectionism or something. Yeah, not always. But actually in the music, I love, love real-time jamming where anything can happen for the good or for the bad. Probably because I think in the visual aspect, I probably feeling less secure or something like this. Not 100% uh, yet my domain. The new visual for AV show, I'm doing it completely by myself. It's not a mm -hmm. collaboration. So that visual aspect, maybe I, I still have some uncertainty. Of course, I still have some uncertainty in musical stuff. But uh, I think like jamming, for example, the experience like Stur we did last year, uh, mm -hmm. organized by uh, Speedy J. There was five of us for seven hours. We would just jam. We didn't mm. know what's going to happen the next second. And not even all musicians were knowing each other before. So <laughs> I absolutely adore that space where, you know, you're ready for whatever. Yeah. I mean, is there kind of like this intensity or excitement in playing live like that that you can't get from AV performances or uh, art projects? Uh, I don't. I don't think it's even technically possible to have a complete improvisation on AV performances. Mm. I don't think because you still have to prepare the content, um, you know, technical content which will be triggered by whatever your right, right, right. or by something by music, but still it's there. So I mean, yeah, it's probably possible, but you have to have a. I don't know, really powerful computers and projectors <laughs> and everything. But I think, yes, technically it is possible, like a real-time generation, full-on improvisation. But still, like even the aesthetic you choose, you're going to have to prepare, like, will I move the noise or mm. will I move the bubbles or will I move, I don't know, whatever. What, 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 and how would I react? So it's, there is still a preparation. It's not 100% improvisation. Rather on a piano, you sit on the piano and you just press keys for example it's due to technical aspect uh, of complexity of av that you still have the limitation on um, improvisation i suppose do the two worlds sort of influence one another like i'm sure there's things that you're learning in a technical or creative sense from both sides that you're bringing to the other side mm, it's hard to say i think i'm gonna have to analyze that <laughs> in the process so it's hard to have a analytical um you know like um let's say ex external analysis on your own process while you're in the process mm -hmm, mm -hmm. i think we can talk about it like in i don't know 20 30 years <laughs> i'll right? come back to you <laughs> yes, yes please <laughs> where, where I, I actually can have also more background on the on the visual aspect and uh, mm. um, and see how one influenced that. But I think I'm sure, I'm sure there is an interaction. I just can't define it right now, like precisely mm -hmm. how how is it happening. But uh, yeah, I think so. Mm -hmm. But is it ever difficult for you to go back to DJing after you've been working on an AV project for a no. while? Like, does it somehow feel I mean, like... I love DJing. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I think I thought maybe it would be like a little bit like, oh, no, <laughs> like, I only have to work with sound now instead of like, oh, yeah, I have all these different ways to kind of express myself. Yeah, I mean, it's not that I ever stop DJing. <laughs> I'm still more active in the DJing because that's, yeah, it's, it's the biggest part of industry anyway. Um, 
so yeah it's a parallel process i'm i mean i'm enjoying both of course uh, i think in the future um i don't know like i see myself doing more of a um that type of art project you know nightlife and you you know you're getting older and everything so mm. you can't sustain this crazy rhythm anymore and i mean also personal interest i think i would like to explore more but like i would see myself more into you know kind of concert type abstract av or sound only um but concert type uh, events Mm-hmm. Uh, even though you know I still love DJing so I, I don't think one um, kind of interfere with another I think it's complementary you know because with DJing I express something else and it's more in the moment less intellectual it sounds a bit weird but like yes it is less intellectual it's more emotional it's more in the moment mm-hmm. you know it's um, kind of in more spontaneous way but it's also I think important uh that element is important because not not everything has to be very thoughtful and conceptual either mm. do you think it's somehow like necessary for you to have all these different means of expressions like for example i know some djs who just dj nothing yeah. else like no label no live sets no production yeah. can yeah. you imagine a life for yourself that's like no. you know just one thing <laughs> no i mean it's hard to say uh, like for the future maybe i'll change you know and i i'll say no that's only thing i want to do and i mean i totally understand where someone is completely satisfied and you know dig into one specific uh, um, element of working with sounds which is djing it's also great and uh, you know like it's nothing uh, wrong but to me personally i don't think it's enough mm-hmm. I, I need all those different chapters and different um, uh, moments and different way of expressions and as as I said technically I need to challenge myself that's how I strive I suppose that's how I keep curious but I mean it's still in the same direction it's still the same thing it's just about the sound the music production is just you add extra elements or you don't add extra elements but you still explore um, different environments musical environments I would say so for me it's vital for sure yeah well i mean for example with sleep step um which i think is such an incredible record but it seems like even then it wasn't just about the music but also there was poetry and there was a photo book that accompanied it and things like that so even when you're kind of creating one thing there's sort of this whole other many different worlds that come together yeah yeah i mean uh, yeah it's it's hard to like define like why i do those things <laughs> you know why do i do those things I, it just feels right it just feels the way you know like the, that's the way it's supposed to be it's really hard to say like why you know look explain logically why i would do this <laughs> or you know like uh, i can't say why uh, only probably how partially, but not really why. Flipstep, I was um, really conceptual, so mm-hmm. I really, like as I told, wanted to stick to this fairy tale thing. That each fairy tale has, you know, its own image or own. It's like a book, audio book, well, mm-hmm. almost something like this. Yes. So the, you know, there is a track dedicated to Einstein. There is a track dedicated to Alan Edgar Poe. There is, a, you know, there to Frida Kahlo. Yeah, I would speak uh, about the probably the people uh, who inspired me or someone I don't know. And then in a, this fairy tale mode where it's um, sound fairy tales. And, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's more of an audio book, I would say, even almost. Yeah, I love that. So, what worlds or sort of forms of expression are you hoping to explore in the future that you haven't done already? Um, 
smells. Oh, cool. <laughs> yes, mm-hmm. I think smells are very important. But that's, I mean, I, the idea I already had it ten, for 10 years. I still don't know how technically <laughs> I, I can do it. So maybe another 10 and I will be ready. <laughs> um, smells, because um, smells, temperatures, where um, a perception uh, is more, it's more related to um, neuroscience uh, field where your perception changes, for example, imagine if you're listening to, uh, um, let's say, a pleasant sound in the room, Uh and, you know, nothing disturbs it, so you can be enveloped into the sound, into, you know, uh, whatever, pleasant music, let's say, pleasant sound. But then all of a sudden, you have a completely disturbing smell that coming into the room. Uh Your perception of that particular sound changes completely and you will remember that sound associated to that specific smell i don't know if you it ever happens to you where a specific smell would remind you of a situation or a person yeah, or yeah definitely something. yep so yeah so that's in that kind of direction but more kind of playful i would work with it but i'm not going to tell you the whole concept <laughs> not just, ready yet just an idea yeah just an idea what is it about so you know it's obviously related to your perception, neuroscientific perception, where uh, your brain responds to um, external signals differently under different circumstances, which, of course, you know, the signal would be the sound, and I would work with smell or the temperature. Um, that's it. <laughs> like <I can't laughs> but yeah, like that's something that I would like to explore. Smell uh, in relation to sound and in relation, you know, to brain. Basically. I love it. I love that you have so many like ideas for expression. Have you always been the kind of person that just has like a million ideas floating around? I don't know. <laughs> it seems like it, but I don't know. Like I can't, uh, you know, like I can't be objective about myself. How how does it work? You know, there are phases where I want nothing as well, I guess, like any mm-hmm. human being. Uh, just I have no ideas. My brain is uh, completely blank and you know but uh, like complete on and complete hibernation i suppose i always been that kid that drug other kid to do something crazy (laughs) (laughs) so i think it's related like if i try to analyze that you know there is always were something that i wanted to do like it's just you know for good or for bad (laughs) i guess it's a part of my personality i suppose I, i remember when i was a kid I had these things and then I wrote a theater piece, <laughs> but it, I never realized it. But some, for some reason, it's some, something that I had to do. I don't know why. Um, something that triggers me. I'm in the books and uh, something that I, I don't know, I wanted to express myself or something, but I could not um, channel that energy. I didn't have, for example, the capacity on how and what and where do I go and what to do. Mm. Again. So I think the older we grow, like now I have a little bit of experience. Now you just have all the ways to express that. Yeah, and find a way to catalyze, to channel that, you know, that uh, noise that happens and write it down. Like I would say, you know, because I think everybody think about millions of ideas every time. And I think writing it down somehow helps to channel them.
You've been listening to Dasha Rush for AIR episode 62, the last episode of 2023. Join us again in 2024 for more interviews, and we'll be back on the last Wednesday of the month, so check back in January for another episode. Until then, remember you can follow us on Instagram at at underscore AIR podcast, or support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash AIR podcast. Happy holidays, everyone, and see you in 2024.